Hi, I'm Betsy Bournes, and you're listening to The Broadcast, featuring the artists who perform at the Broad Stage here in Santa Monica, California. Today I'm speaking to Johnny Donahoe, the actor, stand-up comedian, singer, and playwright who co-wrote and performed his alternately hysterical and devastating one-man show, Every Brilliant Thing, here at The Broad. In our talk, we discuss everything from funny sock puppets to suicide. Trust me, this is one you won't want to miss. Johnny, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And you can't see this, but he's absolutely staggeringly gorgeous. So, uh, <laughs> no, okay, we'll get keep the laughs. Oh, that's kind. You have brought your brilliant performance to your one-man show called Every Brilliant Thing to the Broad. Could you give a brief description of Every Brilliant Thing? Sure. Um, the play is called Every Brilliant Thing. It's about a little boy who makes a list of everything that's great about the world as a present for his mother, who is chronically uh, severely depressed and has attempted uh, to take her own life. Um, he asks his dad why she would do such a thing, and his father answers um, that she can't think of anything worth living for. And in the sort of logic of a child... Uh, the little boy decides to make a list of everything that's great about the world and this ends up continuing throughout his life and serves as a sort of crutch but also um, and also a barrier to lots of different things throughout his life and it, it features throughout his university education, his finding a partner um, and uh, I, yeah. I, I could go on but I'd give away too much. Well, that's what uh, I had a question I wanted to ask you, but I realized it would be a spoiler alert. <laughs> that's uh, right. There's somebody mentioned uh, who you have a relationship with. Sure, Sam. In, in, and I'm not giving anything away, but is that the, is that based in reality? Well, I, I I won't answer that question, like you said, so that I don't uh, I don't give anything okay. too serious away. But um, in the play. Um, you see the little boy uh, when he becomes a man. He uh, the list is incredibly involved in how he ends up getting married, um, and it's a really it's my favourite bit of the show. It's very beautiful. So I better not say any more okay, for spoilers. Okay, I've but, got um, it. but that gives you an idea. Yeah. Are you married? I'm not married. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is the few one of the few interviews uh, that you'll ever hear. This I saw the show, and have I got a girl for you? Uh, <laughs> No, it was it was beautiful, and I uh, wondered seeing it. It's very, it's an equal balance of comedy mm. and drama, um, and I was wondering what you find harder to play. Well, it's it's funny actually. Um, Hamish, who uh, is my stage manager, production manager, tour manager, life manager. Um, personal assistant and butler. Uh, he you looking for a spare gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he and I were chatting about this this morning because I was a stand-up comic when I took the job. Uh, when so the, uh, to give you the genesis of the of the production, Duncan McMillan, uh, who uh, is the, who I wrote it with, he is a playwright. He is a wonderful man. He's written some wonderful plays that have been over here. Lungs. Um, uh, people, Places and Things and uh, his adaptation of 1984 uh, yeah, I heard was at the Broad yes. and is now about to open uh, I was about to give away something that is, I think is let's suggest, let's say it's going somewhere special but I can't remember okay. if that's something I'm allowed to announce yet. Anyway, so this that's This is the interview with the most spoiler alert. I know, this is terrible, uh, and isn't then, it? And then no information, it's perfect. <laughs> so his, he's, he's a great writer and a, and a a true original, wonderful human being. Um, he contacted me. He'd written a short story called Sleeve Notes, which is the 
origin of this story um, about a little boy. And he contacted me and asked if I would help him turn it into a full-length play using the skill set of a stand-up comedian. Uh, We both have similar life experiences to the story, not identical. We always say it's based on true and untrue stories. There are things about it that are very true. There are huge sections of the... Sounds like my bio. That's right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then there are bits that are... um, based on research and other people's lives and things that that Duncan has created. Um, So Duncan wrote the short story uh, a long time ago, and that never really went anywhere. And I helped him with this, turning it into a full-length thing. He would set me tasks. I would go and improvise. uh, We'd we'd do shows. He'd go away and write it up. What a great way to write a play. Well, the thing is, is that, I mean, the wonderful thing about a good stand-up show, you know, one that isn't mean-spirited, but is hopeful and joyful and, and... and uh, you know, the, the best thing about that is the the spontaneity, the fact that it's in the moment, that it exists in the room with you. The barriers and constrictions of a of a play mean that you can't do that. But how can we blend those two things together? Well, this is the answer. It's storytelling. I'm telling an absolute story, but lots of different things change every single night. Um, lo- and I will interact with the room and play on what things happen and. Um, it becomes a unique experience. Well, the interactivity is so interesting. And the one I saw on HBO mm. um, was somebody playing your father at oh, wow. your wedding. And is that just, is that written or no. does the person come up with it? No, it's, it's, it's purely, I mean, so as an improviser, wow. the thing I always learned when I was sort of trying to get good at it was the more you inspire confidence in other people, the better you look. The more you give, the the more you give away, uh, the more vulnerable you become, the more people are willing to be vulnerable. He um, absolutely recounted everything. Mm. He was, he was the, your father. He recounted everything that you had said up to then and said it like he was talking to sure. his own child. It was well, he amazing. was pretty special. And we, and that, that is, uh, we lucked out with the film, although we filmed three shows, and that was our favourite one. Um, he he he's really wonderful, that man. I've never met him since. Um, he's a rabbi in real life, or I think he's retired now. Um, and I picked him because there was something about him that was uh, miraculous and joyful, and I wanted to talk to him. He There's was... an art in picking too. Absolutely. I would think you you talk about being a comedian. And being spontaneous, mm. there's a genius in being able to pick the right person and, sure. and just know. Um, and it's there's also genius in performing in such a way that you inspire the person you pick. Well, I think it's like casting. I've never done that in as a you know in the in the in in film television. You know the way casting agents do that. But the trick is sort of you you know, with them, they, they get to spend a lot of time and uh, I, I'm doing it instantaneously. But you can tell with body language and the way people are and the way they operate um, with everyone around them, the sort of energy they give off, it's so immediately clear whether or not they're... Um, they need to have a warmth and a joy and an excitement without being so exuberant that perhaps they're going to take over. Right. Um, it was really... I've never seen anything like that that worked, I should say. <laughs> and it was really refreshing and unique and i know i've i'm a comedy writer Mm. in television and in the sitcom format you come up with a story and then the writers as the week goes on play with it and the story stays the same yeah but and the actors 
improvise. And so it reminded me of this process um, of your writing this. Mm. You, you marry performers with writers, and the performers are the ones that take the story and riff on it. Sure. And I think this is just sort of live-action versions of that. Right. Um, but it exists for you in that moment, and I think that's something very... Um, I mean, I think that the reason it works so well in this show is the form meets the content. You know, yeah. it's, we're talking about depression, we're talking about suicide, and we're talking about, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not a medical professional, and I do believe wholeheartedly that you should, you know, take all the medications prescribed to you. And, and I think those are, you know, we've made wonderful scientific advances, and we must make, take advantage of them. I'm, I'm not Tom Cruise here. I'm just <laughs> saying also... So you don't people. believe in Zorkon from Planet Six? I'm not uh, quite yeah. there. <laughs> but this is my first LA trip. Right. So, oh, you know. trust me. Two more trips, you'll be drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> but I do think absolutely that sharing, talking to people, um, uh, being part of community is, right. is so important. Um, when it, And that's really, you know, what this show does. You know, by the end, we're kind of mirroring group right. um, therapy and and. So the fact that it involves all the people in the room, the fact that I make everyone read out one list entry from the massive list, it means you you can't be a bystander, right? And that's really our message on depression: you can't be a bystander because it's either gonna it's either gonna affect you, or it's gonna affect your kid, or your wife, or your mother, or your father, somebody in your life, which means you're obligated to deal with it, right? So I loved what you said. In fact, I called somebody who was depressed after watching uh, the show and said, "If from the show, if you get to the end of your life and you have never been depressed, you weren't paying attention, <laughs> to paraphrase it. Mm. But I thought that was so beautiful. Life is hard. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think... I mean, I, I think I've always, I mean, they say about people with severe depression that perhaps they see the world um, a little more honestly than we do. You know, that the, the optimism coursing through our veins, if you don't have depression, right. I mean. It filters um, a lot of the crap. That's right. I mean, right now, I think I, was, I did sort of wake up one day feeling like Donald Trump has cured me of depression because what he's done is he's he's just <laughs> he's just made it be as bad as I thought it was. So right. I'm just on the on the plane with him. But, right. Um, Everyone's yeah, on your level that's now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but but in all seriousness, I think it is. You know, it, it, if you go through life and every single moment is joyful, well, is that really joy? You know, you need the lows to balance yeah. out the highs. To and it's not really life. That's right. Do, have you ever faced depression? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've, 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 uh, I've suffered from depression um, extensively uh, since. Well, I mean, diagnosis uh, was sort of in my mid to late twenties. But I lost great chunks of my twenties where I, I could have done so much more if I hadn't sort of had that overwhelming uh, cloud uh, stopping me from working and achieving the things I wanted to achieve. It's a great. Traveling with this show, it's just, you see, I think the thing is that I find wonderful, because I've been doing it for so long now, I've, I've done about 300 performances, 350 of this show, and one of the best things is you, you're sort of, you're talking about it, you're dealing with it, it's in the open every day, so right. it's kind of, um, uh, that's a really, I think when I one day stop doing it, I'll have to also take up some therapy, <laughs> you know, because I, <laughs> it covers that for right. me at the moment. Wow. Um, and and have 
did your do you have parents or relatives Absolutely. that have undergone? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I think it, I mean it's hereditary as far as I'm I'm aware. Again, like as I'm not a medical professional, but it it runs, doesn't it? Yeah. And no, my my both my parents um, have have suffered terribly, and the impact on their lives probably far greater than than my own. Um, and I think part of that is uh, we've made medical advancements, but, but mostly we, we, we're starting just now, 2017, to ditch some of the stigma. Right. The Talk stigma is the worst part yeah. of the whole thing. If you don't deal with it, then, you know, you're never going right. to get past it. And it's sort of the Lenny Bruce concept sure. of saying horrible words to to make them lose their power. And yeah. I think with stigma, the more you talk about it, the more it's not stigmatized. Mm. So, well, if everyone stands up and says, you know, I'm depressed, then it sort of it loses any interest. Right. Uh, it loses the power that it has. And then suddenly it's, well, oh, right. OK, well, let's all do something about it together. Right. And it explains why an audience doesn't laugh. Mm. It's, it'd be nice to have everyone say, I'm really depressed. Oh, that's why you weren't responsive. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How are American audiences different from audiences in the UK? Well, it's a tricky question. Other than being ruder and uh, <laughs> less vocal, I'll say. How are they in the UK? Um, so, um, well... America is so enormous, and I've only been to, I think, five states with this show, and they've been quite different. So uh, New York, right. LA, uh, California, um, Utah, um, South Carolina, one other I can't remember right now. But the I Mormons are not a great comedy audience. I don't know. Well, they're a, you know what they are is entirely lacking any um, cynicism about the world certainly so their interaction with the show was pure joy and and not held back what is interesting is i don't know anything really about the church of latter-day saints apart from i didn't mention this time i ended up about five years ago four years ago when the book of mormon came to london i and the west end production i ended up auditioning for the the lead elder cunningham about oh. 11 times and they ended up going with the other guy so um i've never seen it because i just sort of thought well uh, you know if they didn't want me i don't yeah. want them um but but more importantly i don't know anything really about that religion uh and I know a little bit about what it is to grow up in a country where your culture is slightly different from everyone else. Because I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Jewish in Britain, which means uh, I'm from a very small pocket. But what was really interesting was they were incredibly warm and welcoming and excited about the show. And they don't drink coffee and they don't drink alcohol. And I found those things were really tricky. Um, but they do experience the same things you know their their responses to the show were were identical so to answer your original question that the audiences in california and the audiences in new york and the audiences all over the world are very different in the first 10 minutes hmm. and then it settles into something which is very uh, um, uh, homogenous right and that's what's so fascinating is by the second half of the show i wouldn't be able to tell you where i oh, was oh that's so interesting in new york they're very I mean, in New York, people come on the subway. They've arrived a minute before. The weather is, you know, the snow was pelting. Um, the lines and the, that's right. yeah. So they that's the really it's more that's the mood they're in. So here at the Broad, where um, the sun has been shining, not today, but the sun has been shining. They've arrived in their car. Their car is air conditioned. They walk in in full of joy. Yeah, and that's the biggest factor actually. Is probably the more those little things of geography. Right. 
Um, much more than anything else. And get and had, did you perform in the Midwest at all? No, I performed. No, I didn't. Not yet. But I've performed in Canada, in Calgary, in Alberta, so sort of up there. Big roundup. That's yeah. right. Um, and again, same sort of thing. Uh, you 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 find this. Sort of, I mean, uh, it's it's a cliche, but. Um, Richard Eyre, who was director of the National Theatre in the 80s and 90s, said the best thing about theatre is the extent to which a group of people walk into a room as a set of um, unconnected individuals and they leave as one, as an organism, an audience. And with any good piece of work, you hope that's the case. With yeah. a piece of work that's quite uh, interactive and resonant, I think it's especially right. so. And do you perform stand-up? I do. Anymore? I do. I still do. I don't... Uh... I know you performed at the Edinburgh Festival. That's right. And I actually thought it was great that you were accused of being uh, playing to the left too much. So mm. you created the, the right-wing show. Yeah, yeah, Or the sure. conservative show where yeah, yeah. you had a, <laughs> a live fact-checker. Sure. Making sure that they weren't... Um... <laughs> well, amusingly, in Britain, we have... Uh, that I mean, both the Guardian, which is a very left-leading newspaper, and the Telegraph, which is a very conservative family values newspaper, they both accused me on the same day in my stand-up of preaching to the choir, which is sort of I mean, adorable uh, that they had no sort of concept of what it is they do for a living. But um, I think the the thing about stand-up is similar to this. It, Comedy, you asked me what, what's what's better, comedy or drama, and I right. don't know. But I, I do know that both create a sense of both, both, um, both crying and laughing create a sense of catharsis, and that should never be an end in itself. Um, that gives you, an, you know, stand-up gives me an opportunity to talk about the world around me and injustices and problems. And Every Brilliant Thing is not a political show beyond the fact that it encourages you to uh, look after the people around you. Um, and form a community, which I think is inherently left-wing, but then I'm sure conservatives would say that's that's uh, equally fitting of their um, lifestyle choices. So, although, anyway, that's not we're getting off the point. But the point is, is that um, I, I love the opportunities that I have to be able to talk about things that matter. Yeah, and have you? So you've maintained stand-up. Did you ever think of performing it in America? Stand-up. I'd love to. I haven't yet, but I will be. I think in the in in the future, I um, with the so basically, I've spent the last two years alternating um, doing my stand up and doing this, which is good because it stops you from ever going stale in either. Absolutely. Um, and so, hopefully, my next tour. A lot of my shows have been very sort of uh, Europe centric. You know, we've we've had Brexit. We've right, had some, and the material is different. But um, I'd like to do a show about yeah. Trump now. You have a comedy band, yes. Johnny and the Baptists, and I was just wondering what kind of bits you do. Well, it's sort of um, a much more political um, sort of... Uh, I, 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 there was a group here, I don't know if you remember, they're from New Zealand called Flight to the Concords. So Love it's, that. it's a little like that in some ways. Um, we <laughs> wow. perform satirical, um, funny songs. Um, I, it's a real joy. To get to do that, that's one of my favourite. So that it's with songs. It's stand up and songs. So I'll we'll, we'll we'll sort of do an hour of of twenty songs, twenty short songs, and I'll I'll talk in between. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. It's like the best uh, lounge <laughs> act ever. Um, but the, okay, that's another question I wanted to ask. In your show, there's a point where you sing, mm. 
and you think, yeah, this guy's really funny. He's a great actor, but he's going to sing. And you have an unbelievable voice. Well, the um, the only thing I've ever trained in is is music. Actually, I I um in I didn't go to drama school, I didn't train as a playwright, I didn't uh, do any courses. I, my degree is in um, uh, <laughs> sort of languages and linguistics in and ancient languages, so really not useful. Um, Greek, and uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and, even yeah. wow. Um, but the only thing I've ever really trained, it, it sort of as artistically is is choral singing. Um, I've been in choirs all my life. Again, it's that sense of community and doing things with people, but also, and I, I it was nice because I was never, you know, it's sort of, I, I've never been a Christian, so, I, it, but I was often singing choral music where uh, it's just for me about the sort of sound and the phonics and the, the kind of the, the atmosphere, but yeah, I love singing. Oh my God, I, it was just shocking <laughs> because you talk about blues mm. and then you sing, and it's sort of uh, just surprising that somebody who does what you do so well has such an amazing voice. Oh, I was thank shocked. You. That's very kind. My one of my closest friends um, got married about five years ago, and we put together a very small klezmer band, which I, I mean, again, I sort of grew up basically uh, secular, but for the food. So. <laughs> um, you know, so it, I, 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 it was like a good experience for me to learn. Um, I've got a fiddle player and a, right. a guitarist, and, a, and, a, and we put together a band and sort of learned some songs, and that was just, oh, that was great. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, the other day I was doing an interview for um, uh, on a local radio station here. I can't remember the name, and they asked a question. I get lots of you know, list-based questions, right. you know, what would you add to the list? And I always find that hard to answer because I've said it so many times. Right. So. But one of the things here is they say, oh, what do you miss the most about Britain? And I always try and think of something quirky and funny rather than saying the truth, you know, which is, you know, well, home and, you know, there's not much else. You know, I just, it's lovely to be away, but you miss that sort of, you know, my my, my partner, that would be nice. But anyway, the, so I said... Uh, Robinson's lemon barley water. Now, Robinson's lemon barley water is this fruit lemon barley drink that we have in England that it did not make it across the pond for obvious reasons. But it's any, any drink with the word barley that's not beer, you yeah, get problems. You, yeah. you see what I mean. <laughs> anyway, but it's like a it's an 18th century recipe. Uh, they are Robinsons are the lemon barley makers to the Queen, and it sponsors Wimbledon. And I thought, you know, that sounds very British, and and somebody sent me a bottle of it. Uh, to my dressing room yesterday, so I was like, "This is amazing!" Wow. What? So what? Yeah. So I'm. The internet can provide great things. So the answer to the question, you know, what what do I miss now? It's Apple uh, in ear headphones. If someone could send me those, thirty <laughs> uh, um, year old Scotch, right, is what I'm going to say from now on. Oh in my the god! That's what I get. I'm just trifle. We're just in London. I I can't tell you how many. Uh, how, I don't know. Like trifle. What are you going to do? <laughs> From what you know about me, which is pretty much nothing, yeah. what would you put on my list of favorites? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, okay. Well, I know – I mean, I've just had a giveaway. She told me you like trifle. I like trifle. I'm Jewish. Yep. I'm from Indiana. That's all. Pretty much that's it for me. That's And I'm a comedy writer. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what would I put on your list? Um, well, um, I, when, see, about 
two, three years ago, myself and one of my best friends, a girl called Amy Butterworth. She's a beautiful, wonderful, incredible actress and um, a fiddle player. Amazing, astonishing violin player. Played a lot with her. Uh, she and I got dressed up. Um, I put on... Um, I put on a suit, she put on pearls and, and a fur, and we went and we saw Jackie Mason live. So have you ever seen him live? Yes, I have. So I'd give you one more one oh. more chance to see him live. I think that would be... Sure, everyone wants one more go. Nice. I wish I could end every interview talking about what I want. Thanks so much for joining us, Johnny. I'd like to thank my guest, Johnny Donahoe, and of course, the Broad Stage. The Broadcast is hosted and produced by myself, Betsy Borns, and produced and edited by Christian Humes. Music composed by Matt Rapoli. Please be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast platform. We also ask that you take a moment to share it with a friend or write a review. Unless it's a bad review, then just shut down your computer and take a nice nap. And remember, I'm talking to you. So thanks for listening. Listening.